It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, Richard Fitzgerald from the renowned Fitzgerald's Woodlands Hotel in Adair shares details of the family's challenges over the past 12 months and reveals how their latest venture is proving to be a resounding success. Then we head over to London to talk to Anne Dunn, originally from Cavan, about her career in the food industry, which has included working for the world's most famous department store, Harrods. But before we talk to Richard, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing me, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So for almost 12 months, we have all been impacted with personal and professional challenges as a result of the pandemic. But what happens when your personal and professional lives are intricately linked with one another? Last week, I spoke to Richard Fitzgerald from the family-owned Fitzgerald's Woodlands Hotel in Adair to find out how they have adapted to the current situation. And as expected, this indomitable family has once again demonstrated its relentless ability to rise to a challenge. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Richard, thanks a million for taking the call today. As always, the Fitzgerald's Woodlands Hotel in Adair is at the the forefront and taking the the bull by the horns, no matter what the situation is, because I'd say you've had um, a pretty challenge in 12 months. Yeah, uh, Sharon, it's a pleasure to join you today. Um, No difference to to most people in in the hospitality game over the last, up and down the the length of the country. We've had a very challenging 12 months. Um, You know, I suppose looking at it from the large perspective, we've all remained healthy and and safe, and that's the most important thing. But from a, a business level, it certainly has challenged us. It certainly has forced us to question what we're doing and um, and how we how we do it and I suppose it's brought brought home a few home truths to us in regards to you know the core of our business um, the support from our community and you know how we might fall in love with the American tourist uh, you know when they come every summer for the, the short few months but realistically it's it's the Irish it's the Irish you know and our local community who support us you know all year round. I think this summer is going to be once again the summer of the staycation and you have a fantastic facility there that has been continuously developed. Like if we go back to the beginning, your mother, Mary Fitzgerald, started the it started out as a B and B with a couple of rooms. Yeah, that's correct. She started um as a B and B in nineteen seventy seven and she only officially became a hotel in nineteen eighty three. Uh prior to that herself and uh, uh, and my late dad, um were farmers, uh, Brussels sprouts in the winter and strawberries in the summer. And I suppose he always said, there's got to be something easier than this, Mary. And uh, they went into hotel, they went into hospitality first, and obviously uh, it emerged to a hotel. Um, so they were, they're all, they're very hospitable people anyway. And we like to think we've carried a torch for them in, in that regard. So it's, you know, that welcoming nature is, is who we are. Um, and it's something we're very proud of. And 
you know, we love being hoteliers, not just from a point of view of, you know, of, 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 of it gives us an opportunity to, to, to be a focal point to the community, to help our community and, 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 and to, to support our community and, and to get that back, particularly, in, as you said, in the year of the staycation last year, what, what, what promises to be another year of the staycation, to see that support come back to us is has been so uplifting for us as a family. And, you know, and it just shows that, you know, if we all support each other, we can make through with this and, you know, and, and that that's the, the it, it's more an adage, you know, you, you need to, to buy off your local supplier, you know, your local cheese maker, your local, you know, your butcher and things like that. Uh, because if you want to see them survive, you've got to support them and they'll support you. And it's, it, it showed us, I suppose, how rely, how, how dependent we are on each other um, as, a, as, as, you know, in a community. I love the story that your mother told me a few years ago about her being in America and being in, a, I think it was an Ibis hotel and they had the, the ensuite bathrooms and her thinking, yeah, this is the way forward now and coming back and, and putting the ensuite bathrooms in. And it started off as a and b then there was a couple of bathroom, ensuite bathrooms went in and the place is kind of unrecognisable since then when you look at all the different facilities that you have from an organic restaurant to an organic farm and you're, you're talking there about produce and using local suppliers you actually grow a lot of your own produce now we sure do we we start the organic garden in, in uh, shortly after my dad passed away in, in, in 2014 2015 was probably our first season of it uh, it's expanded over time um, so we, we grow our own strawberries raspberries you know a load of our own soft fruits uh, grow our own herbs um, our own garlic our own potatoes um, our own salad leaves um, so it's something that we are very proud of it's all organic we might my, my brother-in-law keeps some organic cattle in, in the farm as well uh, we're certified uh, organic farm um, and you know to be able to bring that farm to fork is obviously you know a buzzword and a phrase in, in in the industry at the moment but we're, we're we're bringing it to life and it's it's such a it's such an amazing amazing feeling to see food grown you know in your back garden and to be able to put sort of up in someone's place and explain you know the different edible flowers and the different vegetables and and how 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 your garlic is basically harvested over a couple of years by replanting your best strongest bulbs and how it grows and, and develops the flavor of it um, over time and just to, to be able to tell that story to our to our guests and, and you know particularly we, we added our we added our bees last May and they're they've settled in well over the summer and winter they're they're, they're, they're thriving and to be able to have our own honey and that's another great story like you know uh, so it's something that um, we've been we've been working a lot, um, and our garden Quivine Brosnan is, is is a great guy. And as I said, I always come from talking to Quivine, I always come back way more educated than than when I started. So um, it's just a natural progression for us. We're starting to sow our wild garlic. And, um, last last April, we started harvesting our elderflower and on our hedgerows, and I suppose we just. We're, we're very in tune with nature and very in tune with seasons and very in tune with, with, with what's growing naturally around us and how we how we can use that. And the the bees and the cows aren't the only animals there because you have a, a pet farm also. 
we sure do. We have pet farm, yeah. So there's there's a lot of guinea fowl, uh, ducks, there's peacocks, there's turkeys, and it's very popular with a lot of kids. Um, the kids love to come down and see it, and include my own in my own group. They, they can't wait to see it. So they all live in, in harmony most of the time with a couple of rabbits as well. I know from my own experience of being a guest at the Woodlands with my two smallies who don't always behave, unfortunately, and I'd be apologising about them to your mother and your mother would be saying, oh, sure, look, don't I have a crew of them myself? And that's what it's all about. She takes no notice. You're so family focused there. Yeah, I suppose it being a family business and... um having our own kids, you know, running around the place ourselves. You know, it's it's always had a family ethos and it's something we've been very proud of. Um, you know, it's we've kind of we've always wanted a warm, welcoming, embracing atmosphere and uh, that that goes for all our guests, whether they be nine or ninety. Um, and that's what we've tried to Ethos, you know, we, we grew up running around the hotel ourselves, so uh, we'd find memories of, of you'd, you'd pal around with someone who might be on a, on a weekend stay and you'd rush around with them and make best friends with them for two days and off they go then to, to whatever corner of the, uh, the country they were they were living in. So it's always something that's been very important to us. Family is very important to us. We all live quite close to each other and, you know, we see each other every day, we speak to each other every day. And it's something that you know it's 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 it, it reverberates not only in our in our personal lives but also through our professional lives. And that's something that Elena, your sister Elena, has spoken about here on the show about how much time you do spend together in work and out of work. It's great that you know you're all happy to do that and you enjoy each other's company so much. How has the past twelve months? impacted in that? Have you had to form little bubbles within the family because? You've all been very busy in the 12 months and you've added a few extra grandchildren there between yourself and Connor, your brother. Yeah, that that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, we, we, we try to follow the protocols as best we can. Um, like we would be set, certain members would be would be teamed up together uh, and then other other team members, would, other family members would be in, in, in the other pot um, as best we can. Obviously, then we got very busy in summer. We were um, we were working in different areas and stuff like that, but we still would have been working around at, at the same time. It's been harder from a, from 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 a personal point of view rather than a professional point of view. As I said, for a family that spends so much time together, you know, it's very have been very hard to not be in each other's houses in in months and months. Um, but that's unfortunately that's 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 um, that's the nature of, of of where we're living in, and that's the nature of the, of the times we're living in. You know, and we've we've gotten off lightly in regards to other people who've been haven't seen their their parents in a year, or you know, or haven't seen family members in in, in well over a year. And you know, at least we get to see each other professionally. You know, um, uh, a true work. So we don't we don't we while we while we do it's tough. We don't feel too far sorry for ourselves. And when you are together in a personal capacity, is it very hard not to talk shop? Or do you have ground rules about that? No, it's something that's 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 always kind of grown over time. Um, you know, there's very it's it is, there's a very thin line between our professional lives and our personal lives, given that we live so close to the hotel, given that we're there pretty much every day, and you know. We it, it it just it it's it sits seamlessly between between conversations like you know you'd be talking about something that you need to do from a work perspective and then you'd be talking like 
from a personal perspective. So it's it's we don't have any ground rules as such. Um, we grew up in a house where you could go from talking about the match to going talking about you know the big function coming up the weekend almost in in the same minute. So it's something we just naturally we naturally do. Um, you know, it's it's very much. If you have your disagreements with people, it's 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 done. It it never spills over into a personal situation, and I suppose that's that's a great thing we have. That's something we're very proud of. That you know, you know, we, as as with every work colleague, we have your disagreements from time to time, but you know, we we bounce back very quickly, and and we don't let it spill into our personal lives. And you know, it's it's very important to do that. Um, and, and it's something that we're, we're we're proud of the fact that we can do that, you know that, that you can separate almost your your brother or your sister or your mother from your your work colleague or your your senior management colleague or or, or and you know yeah, but at the same time they're, they're they're two sides of the same coin but you know we we seem to have not had gone to war with each other yet so. Long may it last. Long may it last, indeed, yeah. I know from my own parents who had their own business together that some of the, the best ideas and inspiration and creativity for their business was born out of that being on holiday, being relaxed, having the glass of wine and, and the few drinks, that travelling is something that you would have done a lot together as well and and your mother in particular talks about getting inspiration from her travels years ago and traveling a lot with Kerry who would be her eldest grandchild whenever you are in that relaxed setting with each other do you find that you end up talking about something and a fantastic idea business idea comes out of it yeah that's 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 definite as I said you know, my mother has always worked very hard, and we like to think we've 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 inherited some of her work ethic, although not to the same level. But um, yeah, she's always kind of liked to travel to for her downtime. And as I said, she's a very creative person, uh, and she does find that her creative juices are flowing better when she's out and about and, and away. And she's always thinking with her hotel hat on, and and I think that's something that's that's spilled over to us as. You know, as as um, as as our children, like I me, mean, I was I was lucky to travel over to Japan uh, for the World Cup, and um, you know, ideas you'd see in different hotels, like we take pictures and send them back to the guys, and and, and that's something that that's that's very that's very important. But you know, ideas while you know, ideas never come out fully formed either. Like so, it's you know, you might get a nugget of an idea. And then you might bring it back to the group and someone might say, oh, it would be really good if we did this or did that with it. And, and, and that was the case with the Treehouse, which is our which is our new venture. It kind of started off as a, a one kind of idea and then morphed into, into what it is now. Well, before we talk a bit more about that, because that is your, your latest development, you're talking there about going to Japan and getting inspiration there. But whenever you developed your function room, you only had to go across the border for inspiration for the lovely setting through the window where the top table would be positioned whenever you have a wedding. Yeah, I mean, light was a very important uh, aspect of, of what we wanted to do when we extended our function room um, and to take advantage of, of our, say our country setting. And um, obviously hotels over in London wouldn't have that country setting but they, they do maximise their light in a, in, in, a, in a very good way and 
we are very lucky and we, we've had a lot of a lot of staff who've passed through the hotel who've now spread to further fields and particularly in London and we could call on them and say listen would you mind getting us having us letting us have a look at your function room and they were obviously very very obliging so we got great ideas from 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 a lot of hotels over in London and um, and particularly you know if you were trying to strike that balance between the elegance and the grandeur but at the same time the welcoming family vibe and the welcoming family atmosphere that 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 we be become so renowned for. So it's I think we we hit a nice balance. We we get great feedback on the room. Um, you know I I think it's you know it's funny when you walk in from the kitchen and and you see it and it's full of glory. You do get like you know the hairs in the back of your neck stand up because it's 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 so beautiful when it's when it's fully done and when it's fully full and. And, you know, you almost kind of become wistful for those days to come again, like that 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 you won't be doing weddings of twenty five. That'll be back to 200, uh, 250 and, 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 and you know. And you told me that that backdrop, the water feature backdrop, you were inspired by Galgor Manor and County Antrim. One hundred percent, a bit closer to your own. Yeah, your own, not own a million miles away. Yeah. And I mean, it is a fabulous set, and so. Um, for you to take that and translate it in and be able to use it in the woodlands is just fantastic. Yeah, no, we um, we spent a couple of days up in Galgorm a couple of years ago, and we were we were blown away by it. Um, it you know, it's as as hoteliers, I suppose it's getting harder and harder to get wowed because you know you've seen Pinterest and you see everything, but uh, to go to 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 a hotel such as that on our on our doorstep and to see to see what the the, the sheer vastness and the sheer scale of 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 what they were doing um it was yeah uh, and particularly there's a beautiful backdrop there where uh, at the back of their of their function room where there's a, a waterfall they built in a waterfall so the water is cascading down at the back of their room and and, and something we we love the idea of and um, we said we'd like to try and incorporate that in, in, into a, a smaller manner in our, in our own place. But, you know, even from the at night time, you know, with the lights shining up through the water, it's it's it's, it's really impressive. And, you know, it's it's it, you see when, when prospective brides and grooms walk into a room, they're going to go, wow. You know, they're like, wow, this is really impressive. Like, you know. And I've seen some fabulous couples photography, their wedding photography, using that setting. Like people I don't even know, you know, the way you're just captured by wedding yeah. photographs, regardless of, of who it is. So it, it, you know, it makes a gorgeous wedding photograph for the couple as well, which is fantastic. But, but look, we're going to talk about the treehouse because that's your latest venture. You have started it in response to the current situation and it's only up and running really a matter of weeks. Yeah, it's only it's only properly up and running since last Saturday. Um so we're we're just coming up to the week uh, of it. Um it's been it's been a tremendous success for us so far. Um we've been really blown away by the support we've gotten from the community. And um, you know, I suppose the hunger for for people. The weather has been has been a little bit better this week than compared to last, and I think people are, are anxious to kind of get out. You know, obviously within their their five k, and 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 get moving again. And I think it's 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 really it's really struck us. I suppose the more you you listen to the news and the more you listen to the politicians and effort, you hear that you know. This won't be a quick reopening. We're in this for the long term, you know. Um, and it's something that when we started sitting down and had this idea at the start of January, we felt that 
you know, in our own heads, okay, geez, we'll be back for, for Easter. And that became quite apparent that we wouldn't be back for Easter. Um, and we felt that that we needed to, to, to keep the connection with our customers first and foremost, and to do so in a way that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're very proud of our position in the community. We're very proud, even the, the last lockdown, how our neighbours used the facilities. You know, we obviously had our organic garden growing and we were encouraging our neighbours, listen, go into the garden, take what you want. We can't possibly, you know, use it all. So, uh, and it was great to see, you know, people were like taking vegetables and, and then cooking their dinner and then sending us pictures at night. And I suppose we wanted to keep that connection with our with our customers um, and, uh, you know, what is going, what's, what's going to be a long four or five months. So the, the tree house was born out of that and um, with great plans for it. Um, you know, our plan is to put in a proper seating area of parklets and ultimately to cover it and uh, to have another area covered in time and, you know, to put in pergola and, and to really do it up. And so it become a facility that, 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 that people would be able to stop, get a coffee, sit down with their friends when, when time allows and eat outside. But as I said, at the moment, we just have the, 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 the cabin. Um, but we were anxious that we would have a real family offering um, but at the same time have plenty of healthy options so with quite an extensive menu given that it's it's, a, it's only a, a cabin um, uh, we we do our own beef blast we, we, we barbecue our beef on, on our on our egg uh, so the flavour is a real fantastic flavour we do a selection of burgers you know beef burgers and, and chicken burgers we also do like for the health conscious you know breakfast bowls we do butter bowls we do salads from our own garden we still have a bit of miners lettuce growing at the moment which is great um, and a bit of spinach uh, so that's great um, uh, and we have like loaded fries you know, real com- winter comfort fruit um, at the same time with pancakes for the kids and, and spice boxes and things like that so uh, I suppose in you know, from a hot food offering, it's quite extensive. Um, but what we're really most proud of is our is our we're the first um, retail first outlet to to um, to use farmhand coffee, which is a venture for my own first cousin, uh, Gareth Fitzgerald, of Brother Hubbard fame, uh, up in Dublin. Uh, Gareth's a dear man originally, um, and his parents live they still live locally, and uh, so Gareth uh, and ourselves have teamed up, and we're doing the farmhand coffee out the cabin. So it's it's a great it's a great kind of it's a beautifully it's a beautifully fresh product. Um, he's roasting his own coffee himself, and uh, uh, it's great here. As I said, they roast Monday, they pack Tuesday. It's it's in your coffee cup by Wednesday, which is which is incredible. And at the moment, a, a good cup of coffee is such a treat. As we alluded to earlier, you know. We, we're very simple creatures and said a good cup of coffee um, a nice chat with your friends you know um, we obviously have our, our own our own cakes and tarts and stuff like that from from our own kitchen which we've always been renowned for uh, that's that's one of the the, the, the true pleasures and true pleasures in life so I think you know people are really embracing it and things like that so um, yeah it, you know you see the power of your community you see how important it is to to meet people, to you know, you know, your your community is your anchor. I think if if this pandemic has to- showed us anything, it's 
that how important it is to have anchors in our in our lives and and, and we're, we're we're proud that we are part of that our, our community and our and our position in the community is that we are a place where people can meet in a safe course in a, in a safe manner um but people but people can um you know can safely meet and, and enjoy it and have a nice cup of coffee and and, and, uh, and, and and kind of reach out to each other so if people want to find out your opening hours and the menu, it's all online on your website and your social media platforms, I presume. Yep. Our social our social media our social media platform on Instagram has all our has all our details and, and obviously on Twitter. Um we're at Woodlands Hotel on Twitter and uh, Woodlands House uh, all lowercase on um on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, look, I look forward to visiting when the five kilometres is lifted or expanded and, and you're within my area. In the meantime, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Richard, because I know you are very busy. A personal congratulations to you and your wife, Elaine and Tommy, on the arrival of the twins. And be sure to pass on my congrats to your brother, Connor, and his wife, Ashlyn, and Peg on the on their latest arrival as well. You've, been, you've all been very busy professionally and personally, and um, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks, Sharon. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to Richard Fitzgerald, who told us about the Woodlands Hotel's latest development, the Treehouse. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com, as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, I first met my next and final guest this evening a few years ago when judging at the Blossnairn Irish Food Awards. And of course, it has become an annual meetup. Anne Don hails from Cavan, but has lived in London for 10 years. And she recently launched her own venture, The Art of Great Food. Yesterday, I talked to her by Zoom for a much needed catch up. So let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. And you're very welcome to The Best Possible Taste. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I have come across you in several forms, but most recently you had an article in Food and Wine magazine, Eight Steps to a Tasty Success Story. And your background is in product development. You're from County Cavan originally, but you're, you're based in London. So let's go back to County Cavan and growing up there and your background in the food industry. Thanks, Sharon, for having me. Um, so, yeah, so I I guess I've had a, a lifelong career in food. And as you say, I grew up on a farm in County Cavan, uh, a pig farm and a, a dairy farm um, in, the er- in my early years. And um, I guess, you know, by just growing up in the land, I've had a great opportunity to, um, to understand firsthand all about agriculture and farming and you know how lucky I was uh, to be able to you know take the, the fresh cream off the top of the milk and to be able to understand how uh, animals are reared, how they're fed, the difference between 
uh, an organically reared animal versus um, you know a mass produced um, product and and the taste difference that delivers. So I guess that probably gave me a really good foundation for understanding where good quality product comes from. Um, and then move on to um, I guess my university days. I uh, was probably being pushed or, or, or encouraged to go down the teaching route, um, which uh, I wasn't really overly sure of at the time. Ended up doing a, an arts degree in UCD, um, and at that point, really needed to understand uh, where I wanted to go. And uh, I sat in the library in UCD um, for t practically two days, looking at all the prospectuses of other universities of courses that I could go on to do. And I found one uh, called a Master's in Food Business in UCC. And when I read the prospectus, I thought, oh my goodness, this is everything that I wanted to do. I had a real keen interest in business. I'd done economics and statistics for my degree and really wanted to get into business, but also had a huge passion for food. So when I found this course, I applied and I ended up spending two years then in, in Cork uh, studying food business and covered lots of topics from food supply chain to innovation um, to food retailing, etc. So then that um, brought me on to then work uh, into, into my working career to work with uh, Freshway Foods uh, at the time, which um, then got taken over by Kerry Foods. Uh, so I got to work with Kerry Foods and uh, set, uh, uh, actually be part of the team that built the uh, state-of-the-art uh, sandwich facility in Ballymun. And then I decided to jump to the dark side of retail when an opportunity came up to work on the new product development team in Superquin. Um, and I was hired then by Bruce Langlands. Um, and it was a very new team and it was a very new strategy for Superquin to um, really get into own label in a completely different way. Um, so I was part of the, 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 the original team that um, set that up, which was a great experience and then that led to um, a number of different roles across the departments within Superquin from buying to category management and range planning um, and just before I finished in Superquin I was leading the buying for the bakery um, department um, which was a you know they're probably hero category and, and one of the areas I'm most famous for so I was very lucky to have had an opportunity to work there and then I got a call um, from uh, Harrods to say would I be interested in applying for the product development role and I then spent 10 years uh, working for the little green uh, corner shop in Knightsbridge. Yeah a little corner shop um, it's far from that now as everybody knows the most famous department store in the world and you know that's a very illustrious career that you've had so far and you're still very very young are there any highlights so far that you remember from your time in Harrods or, or Quinsworth? Um, so there's there's so many highlights. Um, I think one of the one of the ones I'm most proud of was the um, the reopening of the first of the four food halls um, that we had redesigned um, uh, in in um, in Knightsbridge. Um, and I think like any project uh, it was one hall at a time, um, which made complete sense to take that approach. Um, but uh, 
the first haul I now look back on um, as you know the one that we learned the most from. So we didn't quite get it right. But as we continue to then redevelop the other food halls, we could take all of those learnings. But when that was unveiled, the, um, the, the journalists and our customers were absolutely blown away with what had been delivered. And it did have, um, you know, a very unique feel, a very unique experience, um, but also had this amazing surprise and delight and theatre um, within the hall um, that, you know, sort of gave it that real uniqueness, and that real um, special kind of feel. Uh, and the products that I got to work on, um, you know, were, were sort of, we had uh, absolutely world first um, personalised tea concept in there and obviously we're very known for tea um, so that was really special to be able to broaden what we offered within a quite quite a traditional category and bring a new customer base in there. Um, we had um, really thought about how to engage customers in buying into the product so a real um, sort of sensorial experience so they could get to smell, taste every single product that they wanted um, we had beautifully domed uh, smelling vessels for spices, um, you know, that we had sourced from all around the world um, to amazing um, towers of uh, olive oil that you could, you know, self-pour and taste before you um, purchase the product. So a really, really super um, moment in my life, you know, just remembering that the, the, the sort of the wows and the excitement uh, that you got from um both journalists and uh, customers. Um, I was lucky enough to visit with your good self a few years ago and I was blown away and wowed exactly as you say but one of the, the elements that really struck me being the daughter of a greengrocer was the vegetable butcher. Yes yes indeed so that was part of the fresh market hall uh, which was the second um, hall uh, that we that we opened uh, or we reopened and again we we had you know uh, sort of looked at our changing consumer base and we'd also looked at what was going on around the world and obviously we were uh, starting to see the shift from um, you know uh, meat eating uh, to the importance of sort of the vegetable being the center of the plate um, and we had seen some signs in the states of people playing with vegetables and um, being much more center of uh, a sort of butchery counter style so we took that concept and thought about how we could make it relevant to our harrods customers and um yeah we we spent a long time thinking about what we would call it um but also what end products would offer um and it ended up been exactly what we said it was it was a vegetable butcher with vegetables at the heart of it um, and served in many different formats um, for uh, you know a, a varying need of um, of customers so yeah that was a great a great concept to work on and whenever you think of the Harrods customer I don't know if they'd have very much in common with the West Limerick customer would they in terms of disposable income for example disposable income it's it's all relative i think both customers could have in common is their appreciation for good food 
and good quality food. And I think, you know, good quality food is available to everybody regardless of their income. I think it's important that everybody has access to that. So you could say, Sharon, yes, they, you know, they're, they're different consumers, but I guess what, what they have in common is, um, you know, an understanding and appreciation for good quality food. I think it's really important that everybody um, has access uh, to that, regardless of the disposable income available. Absolutely. Now, your time at Harrods and your previous jobs, that whole career has set you up perfectly for your most recent venture. And just before Christmas, you launched The Art of Great Food. This is your own business, something that you're very passionate about. Yes. So, um, so when I uh, left Harrods in September, um, I wanted to take it as an opportunity to really step back and think about what does my next career move look like? What avenue should I go down? Um, and also just, I guess, take the opportunity to pause and have a really, you know, solid think about what what I should do next. Um, and and I guess with the the challenge of COVID um, and and Brexit and you know uh, homeschooling and all of that, it was a particularly uh, I suppose different time for us all. Um, so I knew I wanted to take the time to really explore what I should do next. Um, but I probably had about a week off when I look back on it now before. I got approached to do some work for food business, which led to doing some work for another food business, which then, I guess, made me really think about uh, the possibility of setting up on my own and doing the consultancy thing. And I guess I've probably toyed with it. I've thought about it. I've chatted to friends and, and colleagues about it. But sometimes when it comes to doing it, you think, oh, I'm not brave enough I'm you know I'm not I'm not experienced enough um and oh I'll just park that idea for a while but because I I I had uh the opportunity and I maybe done a little bit of testing of it it made me feel like actually yes I can I can do this and, and what I have learned over my 20 years in food um is really valuable and is really valuable to small businesses who are either, you know, on the journey to being successful and and um, you know uh, building a really strong brand, or indeed are just toying with the idea of getting into a food business. So I really felt like I could definitely add value uh, to companies. And I guess one of the things I did in the time I was off is I did a lot of reading around, um, you know, what it makes what what it takes to be a good. Uh, a good entrepreneur, what it means, what it takes to, to be a good business leader, uh, a mentor and coach. And I read a book, which I think is, was, you know, you read a few books in your life and you think actually there's a lot in this that really kind of resonated with me. So it's a book called The Squiggly Career. Uh, it's written by Helen Tooper and Sarah Ellis. And it's, it's sort of setting you up for, um, I guess what you need to succeed in work today and it talks about sort of five key skills um, that you need so that kind of started to make me to give me the foundations of you know actually I can do that and maybe I need to perfect a little bit of that skill um, but essentially the foundations were there to sort of um, you know to, to, to go and, and to, to 
set up a, a company and set up my brand, um, which um, I've, I've done. I think the food industry is one of the most exciting industries to work in, especially if you're passionate Absolutely. about food, but it's also a very challenging industry. And in the article that you wrote for Food and Wine magazine, you'd eight steps to a tasty success story. So step one in terms of your advice to budding and existing food entrepreneurs is where's the insight? Just tell us quickly what you mean by that. Where's the insight? Yeah, I think um, when I say insight, I think there's a few different levels to it. It's um, being aware of what is going on in the marketplace um, and sometimes that's why where ideas actually come from is like you've seen a, a need, you've seen or you've heard customers repeatedly say that something is a problem for them. So it could be time or it could be uh, 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 environment. And you think, well, actually, if I create a product to fit that, that you know, that solves that problem, then... I have created something that is a you know potential niche in the marketplace and an opportunity um, to grow. And if you can validate that by understanding that more than just those customers that you heard from actually have that same problem, then you're probably on to something really um, promising. And if you can couple that with looking at the macro trends of you know the major things that are happening um, in the marketplace. And where maybe customers are, you know, demanding uh, new new formats or new styles or new cuisines, then again, you're probably on to creating something that is, you know, fruitful and has the potential to become a well-established brand in the future. So I think being able to 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 link the customer insight and the market trends to your idea really helps then. To, to I guess start start you in building a business proposal in building a business plan to creating um something so that's where I feel that the insight comes from and again I've said lots of agencies you know um do great work on those insights and you can pay um to have your insights you know validated the reality is sometimes you don't actually have access to funds for that so the easy way to do it is to you know get a, a pool of people that you think could be your target customer and bounce that idea um, off them and see what comes back and then the second point is to avoid targeting everyone and this is something that I can relate to in my own work and the consultancy that I do with businesses especially now in the times that we're in the hospitality industry and this summer so who are they targeting this summer is it the families is it the singletons is it the lone traveler and to really focus into the one or two groups that they want to, to reach out to because I think it's going to be a very competitive space there. So your advice in terms of avoid targeting everyone whenever you come up with a, a food product is is about, it, it kind of links into that first one, where's the insight? It does, yeah. I think, um, you know, in, in an ideal world, you want everybody... Um, buying your product of course you do and I, and I think sometimes you can go in thinking uh, particularly if you've done your research amongst your friends and um, that everybody will buy your product and um, the reality is, is that when it comes to marketing your product what you want to do to really connect and have that emotional connection is you want your marketing to be really specific to um, expressing that your product is solving a need for that particular target customer um, and 
the needs of all customers are not, not necessarily going to always be the same. And I use the protein shakes as an example um, for, you know, university students versus the elderly. Both, you know, have requirements for a protein shake at different times of the day for different needs. But the reality is how you brand and how you market to a university student versus, you know, a, a, a plus 65 is is very different you know the language you use and um, all of that so i think you need to really think about who's the most important um and really get your messaging right for that audience and then of course other cu uh, customer segments will hopefully buy into your product and over time you'll, ex you'll expand that but i think if you try to do it for everybody initially you are likely to just confuse your messaging and to just not get that sort of emotional connection with who the product has really been developed for. And you mentioned branding there, and that's one of your points about investing in branding. And that's something that you've done personally with the Art of Great Food. You've walked the walk there and invested yeah. in your own brand. Yeah, I, um, it, I, I have definitely learned a lot in terms of when you are developing a brand your own personal brand um i've probably fallen into all all the the traps uh, that i've seen other brands fall into which is you know it becomes it becomes personal to you and you want it to be a mirror of you etc but ultimately what i needed to do was step away from it being me and think about well who is my target audience and what would they like to see around the brand um so, so yes, yeah, so I learned a lot in that journey. Um, and I, I, again, I take my hat off to anybody who's developed a successful um, brand. The, the process that you go through and, you know, getting it really right um, is, 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 a, is a taxing process and one that needs serious uh, resilience uh, to getting there. But when you get it right, when you see a brand that really sings everything around the, the sort of product attributes and, and what that product's about then you know you know it's right and there's lots of great examples in the marketplace at the moment and again i you know i did lots of branding and rebranding of harrod's own label um over the years um and project managed you know redeveloping of 1200 um lines um across the portfolio so uh you know with with internal designers and external agencies so again I've learned a lot through the journey um, on that, and it, it, it's it's definitely not one that you can get right overnight. It needs it needs a lot of work and a lot of revisiting over time. You know, as as your audience changes and, and as the environment changes, it's a really busy supermarket shelf. Everybody knows that, and you know, you the one thing I have learned is that you've got your customer for less than a second when you're walking down that supermarket shelf. So you really want to to stand out from the crowd you know not not be one of those ones that gets missed on the shelf you really and, and you have to work very very hard to to get that right and often the ones that do get missed on the shelf could be the ones with the best taste so we yes. are attracted to that nice labeling and the packaging and the colors but it doesn't necessarily mean that the contents reflect the quality of the exterior and vice versa the small food producer out there spends so much in developing the product it's fabulous tasting product but then they've no money or no resource or you know their skill set is product development in terms of food but not the packaging side of things and that can that can be the end of a product yeah 
It, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the content and the taste of the product is what will get your customer to buy back into the product. So whilst your branding will shout out, shout, you know, or let you jump off the shelf, I think when the customer takes that product home and if it solves a genuine need for them um, and it tastes delicious, then it will register in their mind and they will very likely buy that product again. Um, but you're absolutely right. The the, the branding and the, the taste go hand in hand and you've got a perfect marriage when you've managed to get both of those. Absolutely right. Absolutely. And then the final point is keep your eye on the prize. Yes. <laughs> so um, I think one of the really important things, um, you know, to, to I guess to to really keep you motivated in business is, you know, to always be seeking that sort of golden badge, you know, that star, that um, award. Um, because I think for for your business, it's a real milestone in terms of, you know, um, demonstrating how far you've come. But also it reinforces just how much your brand is, is loved by consumers. Um, and... You know, even if you don't, even if you do submit to the, to to um, to get an award, and and you you know, unfortunately, don't in that particular year, I think take that as an opportunity to think about well, what what can you do to really get the award the following year, and what is it that maybe didn't work this year, and and sort of you know, give yourself um, a really good critique around what what are the elements that you need to improve on in order to to seek out that award next year. Um, but I think awards are really, really important. I think it's a really great way of recognising not just your own work in the business, but the, the work of the team as well. And it's something to really celebrate. And I think in, in tough times like we've had in the last 12 months, um, it's really important. You know, and I've seen the great work that Blasna Heron have done um, to really, you know, in really challenging times. Um, I'm sure at times where they thought the awards uh, couldn't go ahead, you know, the, the passion to to find a way to make that happen was really brilliant because, you know, I think it's in the tough times when small artists and producers need to be recognised and, and awarded for all the great work um, that they're doing. And I think it's fair to say that a number of Irish products that have won awards at Blossnair and have ended up on the shelves in places like Harrods because of entering in those awards. And you personally have been a huge advocate for Irish products in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's one of the reasons why we, um, you know, uh, would come across, uh, to the judging and for the, the weekend in Dingle, uh, because it gives you an opportunity to understand, mm. Um, you know what's new in 12 months and you know over the years I've been surprised every single year just how many new products and new businesses are coming in to the mix um, of, uh, of the, the food industry um, and you know when you find a gem uh, it's the one thing that gets me super energized and excited um, and then when you find a gem that you can then work with to do own label and um, you know it's even more exciting um and you know whether they are a, a very small producer or you know they're on the larger size size we work with all size businesses um you know uh, to to really um 
bring the opportunity of doing own label under hards um to life um and we've had some really great fun um, and some amazing products um through the journey um over the years well i've no doubt now that in your consultancy role it's the art of greatfood.com and that's g-r-a-t-e that your support to companies on both sides of of the Irish Sea will be hugely beneficial and it's great to see you supporting businesses in that in that way and we wish you all the best with the new venture and um, do keep in touch with us and thanks for talking to me today. Thank you Sharon uh, and just to let you know that um, I am uh, doing a newsletter every month so if you want to subscribe to that uh, you can do that uh, through my website or you can follow me on Instagram uh, under the Art of Breakthrough. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Cavan Native and Don about her new venture The Art of Great Food. And earlier on in the programme we heard from Richard Fitzgerald who told us about the Woodlands Hotel's latest development, the Treehouse. And because I enjoyed two lovely long chats with Richard and Anne, I'm afraid that's all we have time for this evening. My thanks to both of them and to you for listening. If you would like to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM, a quick reminder that it is repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.